the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Thank you for listening in. Contending for our faith literally means to fight for it. Today's world continually reminds us that essential component of faith. As we stand firm, we should not be surprised or shocked by what we see and hear because Almighty God said these things would be. God is our salvation, our Savior, our all in all. We have everything we need when we look to Him, the author and finisher of our faith. Have your Bible, pen, and paper handy as Pastor Rander ministers to us today. And Father, free us from distractions, cell phone ringing and walking. May we be still and know your God and not be deceived out of what you have for us. In Jesus' name. And all God's children said, um, historical introduction on the book of Jude. We're going to commence with a new book to teach through. Allow me now to give you the outline that we're going to be preaching from in, in, the, in the coming weeks. Outline of Jude, Roman number one, greetings to the call, verses one and two. Roman numeral two, we'll be preaching contend for the faith, verses three and four. Uh, Roman numeral three, we'll be preaching description of false teachers, verses five through 16. And then A, B, and C under that is A, past judgment of false teachers, verses 5 through 7. B, uh, present characteristics of false teachers, verses 8 through 13. And then C, future judgment of false teachers, verses 14 through 16. Roman numeral 4, defense against false teachers, verses 17 through 23. And then Roman numeral 5, we have doxology of Jude, verses 24 and 25. Let's reiterate and uh, recapitulate and see, uh, let's say it together in, in unison. Uh, Roman number one is what again? Greetings to the call, verses one and two. Roman number two is what? Contend for the faith, verses three through four. Uh, Roman number three, description, verses five through 16. A is what? Past judgment of false teachers, verses five through seven. B, present characteristics of false teachers, verses 8 through 13, and C, judgment of false teachers, verses 14 through 16. Roman number 4, defense against false teachers, verses 17 through 23. And then finally, but not the least, Roman number 5 is doxology of Jude, verses 24 and 25. Let's deal with Roman number 1 to start off here. Uh, Greetings to the call, verses 1 and 2. However, I'm not going to even finish verse 1. Matter of fact, I'm going to only preach the first three words of verse one. (laughs) I mean, you know, I'm an exegetical type of preacher and there's so much to be said. This book is so pregnant with truth. I'm going to take my time so that the word can grow us all up in the unity of the spirit. Amen. So the first three words is Jude, a bondservant. And we know he's a bondservant of Jesus Christ. Jude, a bondservant. 
Here Jude, who is called Judas, is the author of this brief epistle. And as we know, an epistle is a what? A letter. There you go. A letter. And is one. Jude is also one of the half-brothers of our Lord Jesus Christ. He was not a whole brother. He was a what? A half-brother. Uh, Jesus' brother and sisters, they all had the same mother, but they did not have all the same father because the, the father of, of Jesus was his heavenly father, right? Uh, we realize that's where the incarnation come in. Incarnation means enfleshment. We know that Jesus Christ was, is 100% God and 100% uh, man. Uh, we know that he is perfect deity and undiminished humanity. And if you take away from his humanity, his humanness, you create a great sense of heresy. And if you take away his deity, which means his godness, you you create a tremendous sense of heresy. You have to leave it like it is. It stands for what it is. Jesus Christ is God man. As God, uh, he wiped the sleep from his eyes on the boat at that raging storm and the wind. And he said, peace be still. And there was an extreme calmness. As God, uh, he took two fish and five loaves of bread and what? Fed 5,000. As God, he said, Lazarus, come forth. As God, he anointed blinded eyes and they began to see and unstopped deaf ears. As God, but as man, he slept on the boat. As man, he cried. As man, he thirsted. As man, he bled. As man, he died. And see, you have the, the Gnostics, say Gnostics, uh, uh, they, that was a heretical teaching going on at the time, and uh, they had a, an exalted view of intellectualism, an exalted view of knowledge, and uh, they also believed that matter was evil, so since Jesus came into the flesh, that meant that he was evil, and that was a heretical, damnable teaching that not only Jude had to deal with, but even uh, the beloved uh, John the apostle also had to deal with a Gnosticism uh, in, during his time. So you have Jude is the, is the half-brother of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, in Mark chapter 6, verse 3, it says, Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, and brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? So they were offended at him. While, while Jesus ministered on earth, Jude, like his brothers, did not believe that Jesus was the son of God and savior of the world. And I can understand that. You know, what if your brother, uh, brother said that he's God? What would you do? You, 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 you come on, so get off their backs. You know, I think we would kind of respond just like their brothers did. My, I have a couple of brothers, one named Timothy and one named, named Samuel. And uh, if they woke up one morning and said, I'm God, I say, listen, you go somewhere and sit down and go repent. That's blasphemous. You know, so I can, I can, I can understand that. So let's cut, the, let's cut the brothers and sisters some slack. You know, if you had your siblings talking about I'm God, you say you're going crazy. You commit them or something. And so uh, they really had, they took issue with Jesus and this God business. Uh, let's look at Matthew chapter 13, verses 55 through 58. Y'all going to hang with me? This thing is so pregnant with juice. It is spiritual juicy. And I'm just so excited. I don't know what I can do. Matthew chapter 13, verses 55 through 58. Look what it says there. In this, is this not the carpenter's son? Is not his mother Mary? We know that lady called Mary and his brothers, James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas, and his sisters. Are they not all with us? Uh, where then did this man get all these things, these teachings? 
and all this great wisdom, in other words, verse 57. So they were offended at him. But Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his own country and in his own house. Verse 58. Now, he did not do many mighty works because of their unbelief. Their unbelief uh, limited and restricted uh, the workings of Christ around his brothers and sisters and others who uh, disbelieve. And you know what hinders the work of the church and the growth of the church and the potential out the potential of the church is unbelief. Say unbelief. Unbelief, unbelief was detriment to the, to the ministry of Jesus back then and is just as detriment to the church right now. And the reason churches can't, can't get to the next level of Christ, do great things for Christ, because you have so many in the church not believing by faith that God will do exactly what he says he'll do and that he keeps his word. I like that passage that says in Romans chapter 4 verse 20, he staggered not at the promises of God. Abraham didn't through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God and being fully persuaded that what he had had promised, he was able also to what? To perform. Abraham, he left out not knowing where he was going, trusted God, believed God, did not stagger on the promises of God. And if God's going to use you in an incredible, supernatural, miraculous way, you got to believe God when the world is saying there is no God. You got to believe God when they come against the Bible. You say the Bible is the truth and it is my truth and it is the only truth that can set the souls of man free. Amen. So the brothers and sisters had problems believing Jesus. As a matter of fact, the gospel of John chapter seven, verse five says, for even his brothers did not believe in him. All of these scriptures are documented to to share with you and to validate that the sisters and brothers of the Lord Jesus Christ had problems believing that he was the son of God. However, in Acts chapter one, verse 14, these all continued with, it says in Acts 1.14, these all continue with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus and the brothers with him. Now, after the resurrection of Jesus, his brothers were in the upper room. Uh, his, his siblings were in the upper room with the other disciples praying and waiting for the coming of the Holy Ghost. So at this point, they believed. So some point around the resurrection or just after the resurrection, we don't know the exact timing, but they came into a saving knowledge and faith of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because here they are in the upper room, Acts chapter one, uh, waiting for the coming of the empowerment of the Holy Ghost and uh, believing the Lord Jesus Christ, as was the rest of the other disciples. The scripture says a bond servant of Jesus Christ, say bond servant. Notice that Jude, the beloved Jude, does not pull a power play and refer to himself as the half-brother of Jesus, but a bondservant of Jesus. You know, he could have pulled a power play. See, don't y'all mess with me. My, my brother, I'm the half-brother of Jesus Christ. You know, he could have pulled rank. He could have name-dropped, you know, so that he could gain some respect for, for himself, you see. But he did not name-drop. He did not focus on the fact that he was the half brother of Jesus Christ, but rather he says, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm a bond servant. We walk by faith and not by sight. And faith grows as we study and meditate on God's word, fast, pray without ceasing, and look to God who knows all. 
hears all and sees all. He will never leave us or forsake us. He will lead us, guide us, protect us, provide for us, and strengthen us. No matter what the world does, through the indwelling Holy Spirit, God is always with us. As His children, God keeps us first by fighting for us every second of every day. That makes our faith worth fighting for. Listen as Pastor Rander continues. I'm a bondservant. The word bondservant in the Greek is doulos. Say doulos. It's D-O-U-L-O-S, doulos, which means slave. And you see, a slave is one who is in permanent relation of servitude to his master. A slave is one who is in permanent relation of servitude to his master. His will, his will is altogether consumed in the will of his master. The, the, the will of the slave is, is consumed in doing the will of his master. And so Matthew chapter 20, verses 27 through 28, shed some additional light on this business of, of being slaves and servant. Uh, Matthew chapter 20, verses 27 through 28, it says, and whoever desires to be first, say first, among you, let him be your what? Slave. I love verse 28. It says, just as the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many, for many. Jesus Christ, the king of glory, came not to be served, but to serve. He's the greatest expression of, of servanthood. You know, and this scripture also reminds me of the scripture in Philippians, uh, Philippians chapter 2, verse 4, which says, Let each of you look out not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. And that's the kind of attitude we ought to have in marriages. This is one of my favorite uh, scriptures that I use, that we ought to have the husband ought to be seeking the interest of his wife and the wife of the husband and so forth in every aspect of life. We ought to be seeking the interest, not of ourselves, but, but, but others. A slave does not have his own agenda. He only has the agenda of his master. Slave does not have his own. He, he can't just think of what he want to do. He is told what to do. And how many of y'all know that today that we are slaves? You, you're not, not, yeah, you're a slave. And we ought, we ought to be slaves for the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And our agenda is to be the agenda of our master, who is the Lord Jesus Christ. And um, we realize that um, we think of slave, the negative connotations of that word and, and, and blacks and history and what happened with Africa and slave ships and how we were uh, taken across the ocean and brought to America and all and other places and how we were sold and how we were renamed and mistreated and the families divided. That was a horrible thing. And what made it even more horrible is that you even had slavery in the name of Christianity. Uh, 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 I never will forget. I was doing a Luis Palau crusade and I was on the uh, I was on the executive committee in the early 90s that brought Luis Palau in for a evangelistic crusade in the downtown area. And one of my white pastor friends was having difficulty um, with his car. And he asked me after the meeting, could I take him to the church because he was without car? So here's this black pastor and white pastor riding in the same car. And I took him on the other side of town to where he needed to go. And as we were talking, we were, we were dialoguing together. He, and as I was pulling up to his church, he said, you know what, Rander? I said, what? This very church years ago, 
uh, when blacks would come to the church, that's why I'm not going to call the pastor the name because I don't want you uh, mad. <laughs> and besides, uh, I've preached there many times. Church has gone there. We've had great worship there. But there was a time when blacks would come to this church instead of opening their arms and allowing them to worship together, together in the unit of the spirit, we would, the, the church would actually give them taxi fee to take them to the east side to worship with their own race. And he said that was just damnable. And yet these same folks say that they are saved and they're born again. But if they're that saved, how could they do such a thing? And that's just not that was very common all over different. That was just one illustration. And it shows you how far, you know, the church. Go. Now, is there racism today? Of course it is. It's all kind of stuff. And it's not all overt. And some, it's, some of it, is, a lot of it is underneath. And well, but let me tell you something. It, it, it's always had a very negative connotation to the point that we don't want to be called slaves anymore because of our history. But let me tell you something. We ought to take delight in being called slaves for the Lord Jesus Christ because he is our master. How many of y'all know that Jesus Christ is your master? Whether you black, white, brown, whatever color you are, rich, poor, Jesus Christ is your master and we are his servants. We are his slaves and we are not to promote our agenda. Uh, We are to promote his agenda. Uh, It is not our will. It is his will to the glory of almighty God. Uh, and, and, and let me let me give you another scripture uh, so that we can just get happy and shout on. Look at the Gospel of John, chapter 13, verses three through five. If you have your Bibles, turn to the Gospel of John, chapter 13, verses three through five. If you don't have a Bible, look up on the screen and next time bring your Bible to the glory of God. If you don't bring your Bible to the church, I'm quite sure you won't bring it anywhere else. Amen. Uh, look what it says in John 13, uh, three through five. Jesus, knowing that the father had given all things into his hands. And that he had come from God and was going to God, rose from supper and laid aside his garments, took a towel and girded himself. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. My friend, listen, one of the greatest illustrations of humility is that the king of glory, the Lord Jesus Christ, left his throne, left the throne at, at the right hand of the father. He took on human flesh and blood, died on the old rugged cross for the salvation, for our salvation and sins. This same Jesus, you know what he does? He takes a towel and he kneels down. The God of all creation gets down on his knees with the basin and he begins to wash to the, the feet the dirty feet and the Palestinian dirt off of the disciples' feet. God washing his own creation's feet. Think about that. Now, that's a great, that's a tremendous act of humility. And in that crowd, you had Judas in that group. And Jesus being omniscient, knowing everything, knew that Judas, that devil, would sell our Lord for 30 pieces of silver, and yet he washes his feet also. What love. What love. What humility. Knowing what he was going to do. Now, don't get too huffy and puffy with Judas, because there are some Judases in the house. Let's say amen. It is amazing when Jesus Christ, 
He has saved us and uh, he's, he has regenerated us. He, he has purchased us with his own blood. And, and Jesus Christ, knowing what we're going to do the, the, day we wake, the day we wake up, before we wake up, he knows what we're going to do. And you know what he does? He wakes us up knowing that we're going to misrepresent him. He wakes us up knowing that we're not going to be truthful. Wake, wake, wake many of you up knowing that some of you are going to mess with pornography. You're going to play the lottery. You're going to tithe. You're going to gamble the money away. Or you, you're going to cuss your husband or, or misrepresent the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Going to disown him. Uh, look at something that, that breaks his heart. Uh, 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 have bitterness and, and hate and, and vindictiveness and all of this stuff. And yet God, out of his grace and love, still loves you enough to wake you up to let you do that to him. Now, isn't that, isn't that grace uh, just uncomprehensible? You can't even comprehend that kind of grace. And, and, and God, the Lord Jesus Christ, washed Judas's feet. That's love that you can't even describe. You see what I'm saying? And, and God washing the feet of his creation. There's something I want to say about all of this. A, Jesus Christ is the greatest example of what it means to be a servant. You want to learn how to be a servant? You want to get over yourself? Start looking at Jesus Christ. Because Jesus Christ is the greatest example of what it means to be a servant. And when you get to looking at Jesus and seeing how he served and seeing his love, his unfailing love and what he did for us in spite of what we do for him. Listen, it teaches us without a doubt how to be a servant. B, the vision of servanthood cannot be caught until you passionately fall in love with Jesus Christ. Do you realize the vision of servanthood cannot be caught until you passionately fall in love with Jesus Christ? A lot of people ask me, Randall Draper, what is your vision for this church? They, they want me to give some great big treatise on my vision. And I say, you know what? My vision is to see the Lord, Lord's people to fall in love with Jesus, to love him, to love him with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Because when you passionately fall in love with Jesus Christ, you'll be a servant for Jesus. Wherever you, you have, you won't be made to be a slave. You will volunteer. You know, there was a time when in our history, in our history, we were made to be slaves. But for Christ, we voluntarily lay our lives down for him because he laid his life down for us on that cross. Amen. You know, in other words, I'm so much a slave and he's such my, so much my master that wherever he wants me to go, I'll go. Huh? Huh? Whatever he wants me to do, I'll do. Whatever he wants me to be, I'll be. Whatever he wants me to say, because he is my master. He's my master. I mean, he's, he's loving, he's kind, he's sufficient. God is, 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 is good. So uh, uh, my, my, my vision is to get people to fall in love with Jesus Christ. Because when you fall in love with Jesus, you won't have any problem giving. You won't have any problem. You love him so much you can't wait to be on time for worship. You love him so much until you can't wait to get back here tonight to celebrate this new, new converts getting baptized and the opportunity to take the Lord's Supper as a family. I mean, you can't wait. You, you have the spirit. You so love God that you have the spirit that says, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. You love the Lord so much that when you can't get here for whatever reason, you are disturbed. 
you wondering what's going on and you hate the fact you missed it. Have you ever been here, not been here and you wanted to be here and then when you find out how good it was, that just makes it worse? It, I mean, it bothers you. Now don't say you love God if you haven't, if you can't even come to church four consecutive Sundays. Matter of fact, that's a good test. I don't want to raise your hand, but just think about it. When is the last time you've come for four consecutive Sundays on time? Now, you don't have to think that long to see. I bet you've been four consecutive days at work on time. I'm talking about four consecutive Sundays on time. Now, you say you love him. Well, well, why can't you show up for him? Why can't you? On time. To the glory of Almighty God. Amen. Stop saying you love him if your actions don't show it. When you love him, you won't sleep on him. And when you love him, you won't act a fool on him either. The vision of servanthood cannot be caught until you passionately fall in love with Jesus. I propose a question to you. How much do you love Jesus? I mean, loving him in talk is not good enough. You got to love him with your life. A C. It is impossible to be a servant until you first die to self. You know know that? A servant has to die to, to self. It is impossible to be a servant until you first die to self. John 3.30, the gospel of John 3.30 says he must increase and I must decrease. You know you're making inroads and you know that you're making progress of the kingdom when every day is God increasing in you and you decreasing. In other words, God is saying, if you're going to increase, you got to get over yourself. Because the fact of the matter is, when we come to Christ, the first agenda that God has is us. It's dealing with us and slaying ourselves. If any man will come after me, let him what? Deny himself. You and I get in God's way. So the first agenda, once we get saved, is to get ourselves out of God's way so he can be maximized uh, through us to the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. Why don't you say amen? Contending for our faith is worth the fight against Satan's tricks of his trade. He won't stop trying to circumvent our faith. Therefore, we must keep God first in all we do to resist him. We must be steadfast in exercising our authority in the name of Jesus to thwart Satan's efforts. We will be the recipients of God's perfect plan for each of us if we contend for the faith, or we will suffer the dire consequences. If you enjoy this kind of biblical teaching or would like to hear this message in its entirety, please visit www.maranathasa.org where you will find an archive of audio messages, service times, directions to the church, upcoming events, and much more. You can also reach us at 210-821-5683. Maranatha Bible Church is located at 7855 East Loop 1604 North in Converse, Texas, 78109, directly across from Randolph Air Force Base. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
the explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.